This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled and Acadia Company. And today I'm joined again by one of my colleagues at Acadia, Ross Walker. Welcome back to the show, Ross. Thanks for having me, Kiri. So Ross is a senior advertising manager at Bobsled and Acadia Company, where he manages the advertising strategies for many of our large and enterprise brands. Ross has been in the e-commerce and digital marketing field for six years with a primary focus on Amazon for the last five. He's based in Toronto, Canada, and is a massive data and advertising nerd. So Ross, you know, this is where you really shine is these conversations about advertising strategies, particularly on Amazon. Last time we had you on the show, we were talking about Amazon Marketing Cloud, which is a new way that you can track customer purchase journey all the way from DSP right through to PPC ad campaigns on and off Amazon, really get a full picture of the customer journey that we've never been able to see before. And today we're going to be talking about advertising on Amazon for seasonal businesses. And I think that, you know, we might even call back to that conversation about Amazon Marketing Cloud because, you know, the analytics that we're able to get out of Amazon Marketing Cloud are so much superior that we will be able to maybe use that for, to address some of the challenges that highly seasonal business has. So let's get into it. We recently spoke with a large brand that has a highly seasonal business where 65% of their revenue comes in the last three months of the year or in in three months of the year. And that's fairly common for retail brands is to have, especially like Q4, be very high turnover compared to the prior nine months. And so this brand, along with many, many others out there, want to understand you know, how should they distribute their ad spend throughout the year when they have such a large chunk of their revenue hit in three months of the year? To what extent should they be pairing back through the rest of the year when revenue is low, returns are low? And you had a really good answer to that. So I made a note and said, ask Ross on the podcast <laughs> to <laughs> basically restate what you said to that prospect. So yeah, what is, I guess, let's start with the assumption here around pairing back and what your point of view on that is. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you consider the sort of seasonal demand, right, there are obviously in some categories, some massive peaks and valleys. And the sort of off-peak strategy that I subscribe to and that is maybe a bit counterintuitive is not to think exclusively in terms of ROAS when pairing back and also not to like have as much of a feast and famine mindset, like that there's nothing to do or there's, it's not worth, you know, chasing after market share off season. Because I do think there are some really good reasons to have what I would say is an always on strategy for all of your different goals. So even though your, you know, peak purchasing period is happening in Q4 
and you want to make sure that you are, you know, you have like all of your ad investment that's happening in that time. So you're taking advantage of that big wave of demand. There are a lot of other different goals that have, you know, strategic value to be considered the rest of the year. So, you know, when it comes to consideration and awareness that all like an always on strategy can actually help your sort of peak Q4 season. So that would be where I'd say I'd want to dive in a little bit deeper. Right. Okay. So the sort of going back to the objectives of the brand as well would be part of that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if your goal is, you know, generally to be increasing market share year over year or to be seeing growth year over year, like, you know, the sort of the pandemic bump has passed, right? So those kind of e-commerce gains are, I think, not something that brands should expect naturally or natively on Amazon, for example, or any retail marketplace for that matter. So, you know, with that being said, you kind of have to have your funnel in mind year round. And so I've seen from several of our clients that are very seasonal, they still are seasonal, but they're very seasonal. And we actually find that they have, you know, even stronger peak seasons when they invest throughout the year. So, you know, they went from, you know, a very, very shoestring budget for, you know, 75% of the year to an always on strategy in Q4 to an always on strategy for all goals year round and not just focused on the bottom of the funnel the rest of the year. And they've seen really good gains in Q4 and also, you know, significant gains in what what is their off season typically. Okay. So I think that you're selling... You're promising a dream scenario, Ross, which is <laughs> just keep spending more. And yeah, then right. in six, seven, eight, nine months, you'll have a bigger peak season than you did before. So that sounds great. But if I'm, you know, the e commerce director at a brand trying to get that over the line and get increased budget, that's a tough sell. So what? Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I've been in that situation before and been asked that question. And so I would just say this, right? In the off season, people are not, it's not just that they're not buying, you might have a you know lower sales overall, but they're still not necessarily not shopping either. Like they're still looking around. And, you know, as they're doing, they're sort of like non-category shopping, they're potentially still seeing you and maybe potentially going to think of you when they come back to Q4. So yep. making sure that you aren't pulling back all of your advertising efforts to just brand defense in the off season, I would say is like the key point. Like I'm not saying you need to, you know, I don't want to make a massive promise to you, but I want to try and just show that there is, and we've seen that there's value in expanding your advertising a little bit, making sure there's a percentage of your budget for your other goals beyond brand defense in the off season, because there's a lot of consideration shopping happening. And so just expand that you know, beyond don't make the off season the time when you're having your highest ROAS necessarily, because you're potentially leaving a lot of space on the table for your competitors to come and nibble at that overall demand. Right. So you brought up a really good point about ROAS. So ROAS during this off season time would be a really poor metric to be tracking, right? We're looking at consideration. We're looking at people like me who I see something that I like or might be a great gift for my dad or my husband or whoever and I add it to my cart and then when it's their birthday or Christmas or prime day (laughs) I come back to it and I also get those notifications I just got one the other day I took a screenshot and I'll put it in the notes here so people can see what I'm talking about I've added some things to my forget if it was my wish list or my actual cart and then I got a notification on my phone saying 
this product that you saved, it was like a blanket. This product that you saved is on sale. It's a limited time deal. And so that means, and it's a push notification to me on my phone. This waffle weave king size blanket is now on sale. I'm like, right. You know, then I clicked on that product over a week ago. And that's really going to prompt me to come back and buy it because that brand is running a deal. Or maybe it's, you know, finally, you know, cold enough to get the blanket or someone's birthday or whatever. Just to that exact point, like savvy Amazon shoppers are also adding products to their cart and waiting for those notifications to come, right? So that's, you know, shoppers sort of know there are peak times when there are, you know, big discounts and a lot of savvy Amazon shoppers, even a lot of savvy brand loyalists will be potentially checking you out, checking out to see what's new and adding products to their cart and waiting for a prime day to hit or waiting for a turkey five moment to hit when there's potentially some big deals on. Waiting so, for a paycheck, waiting for, right, waiting, you know, exactly. time to give themselves a gift. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would say the sort of key things, the non-ROAS metrics that I would be keeping in mind off peak season are, you know, one, what is your, like your organic ranking for your product? Like, are you just like dropping off the map or are you consistently still showing up on page one for all your like relevant category keywords? Like that's like a key thing to keep in mind and your bestseller ranking as well. So your bestseller ranking is related essentially to the ratio of your sales to the rest of the products in your subcategory. So if your subcategory sales are dropping at a rate that's faster than the rest of your subcategory, then you're going to lose that bestseller ranking. You're going to lose that bestseller badge. You know, you're going to maybe lose that Amazon's choice badge because your velocity is much lower compared to competitors. So I would look to keep that. I would aim to keep it stable. Like it doesn't mean that your sales have to be as good in, you know, Q3 or Q2 as they are in Q4 if you're a, you know, a really seasonal product. But, you know, compared to the rest of the category, you should at least be trying to maintain your position, if not make gains against your competitors, right? Like, that's a time to be very strategic and tactical. Mm-hmm. So what about share of voice? Because to me, share of voice, particularly organic share of voice, could also be a stand-in for one of those metrics. Is that? Do you agree with that? Or do you look at them a little bit differently? No, I would say, yeah, 100%. Like, the actual organic ranking, something that you might use a third-party tool to track is really valuable. Your share of voice that you're looking at, like which is the percentage of search results that you're showing up for, either paid or organic, is like the is you know basically the same proxy, right? It's a proxy for that product ranking. So, you know, I'm with you, right? If anyone is searching in your subcategory for sort of like your top keywords, I would say you want to maintain your position, right? And maybe you don't have to be number one paid position, but like, do you want to be on page one still and like still in the game? I would say yes. Yep. And any other metrics that you would be prioritizing over ROAS during that sort of slower period? I don't want to say that you have to keep your sales. Like, again, it's like, it's not sales. It's not that you have to, you know, keep your clicks or your traffic to your pages at exactly the same level, right? It's more those relative metrics that I think matter the most. So your organic ranking compared to your competitors, your bestseller ranking compared to your your other competitors. And with that in mind, you know, how much you spend to maintain those with advertising or what kind of promotions you run to like maintain your sales velocity are going to be some of the levers that you'll look to pull to -hmm. keep those things in line. Yeah. And that's a great point. Let's say to carve out some exceptions here, perhaps you've got a competitor that 
has tons of funding and they're just going on an advertising blitz and they're maybe overspending or, you know, someone who doesn't really know what they're doing. So these are situations where you do need to have a bit of experience and savvy to see what's going on in the category and either that share of voice or that organic ranking or keyword ranking and see how you're competing there. Because of course, if you know, you may have some different budgetary limits or thresholds that you're not willing to cross. And you can't always predict what is in the mind of your competitor as well. They could be spending a bunch without any real strategy at all. And you get to Q4 or whatever, and and they're sort of out of the money. So that can happen as well. You're not always, it's not perfect competition, you know? Mm -hmm. No, 100%. And I think of the cases where challenger brands have sort of taken over you know, what are massive retail incumbents on Amazon. And I think like, well, that's what they did. They just sort of said like, you know, this is where my product should be relevant. This is where my product should be found. I'm going to be there all the time. And that's how I'm going to get my edge. That's how I'm going to improve my organic ranking. That's how I'm going to improve my bestseller ranking. So when the peak season comes, I'm already there, you know, like I'm already ahead of the game potentially. Mm -hmm. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. So we talked a little bit about spending on defense only is a pretty common strategy, but that is not the most valuable use of spend because like you said, people are still researching and sometimes they are buying too. So you've still got, I'm from Australia, our seasons are completely different. So when it's summertime here in North America, it's winter in Australia. And so you have complementary buying seasons for apparel and a lot of seasonal gear. So there are still people out there buying in different markets or perhaps they're going on a vacation to Australia or something like that. So there's still a need for some of these products and being visible during for those buying opportunities is important too. Let's move on to any other kind of rules of thumb that you have when allocating spend throughout the year. Yeah, I think those, you know, I want to think of a couple of things. So one, like I mentioned before, like your organic ranking, your bestseller ranking, it matters, you know, so even out of peak season, that should be a strategic goal. You know, otherwise their challenger brands are going to nibble at your market share and and potentially be ahead of you in, in peak season. And then the other rule of thumb I would have is, you know, to think about just to look for some of those other events and make sure that they're sort of seasonal events that maybe they're not your core seasonal event, maybe they're secondary seasonal events, but they're a time when you might see some additional traffic and try and be there for those. I would think about those sort of like secondary, it's not like the primary holiday on Amazon, you know, it's not when everyone is doing their buying, but any reason to sort of make your brand, give your brand a chance to stand out, I would say would be really valuable. Can you give us some examples there? So obviously the big one is Prime Day, which is always welcome in the middle of summer. But then there's also events like Amazon had a beauty event. Was that like in November last year or? They did. Yeah. Amazon yeah. had their sort of like, so that's a sort of an Amazon, you know, led event for a specific subcategory, which I actually think was kind of challenging for most brands because those who participated didn't see like the people of the world weren't really with Amazon on that beauty event. They're still trying to manufacture it, I think. And and it will probably grow with time. But I think about Halloween, I think about Cinco de Mayo, I think about Mother's Day and Father's Day, you know, I think about all of those other sort of like seasonal buying periods where 
There's often Lyft in other in retail where you can see Lyft on Amazon too. So, you know, what's your offering on that day? You know, how can you sort of stand out? Those would be things that I would think about beyond the sort of peak season considerations. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of your clients I know that is very seasonal is in the sort of like home decor, self-care category, big sort of like Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, gifting opportunities. So yeah, there's certainly those periodical bumps along the way for buying opportunities. Yeah. The other thing is like just to consider as well how the data that you gather from like an always-on strategy year-round can benefit you in Q4 is specifically in the area of DSP, I would say. So this brand we were talking with only does DSP in Q4. And I sort of said like, well, you know, actually your retargeting pool, your like your views retargeting pool or your purchases retargeting pool can go back, you know, like the purchases can go back 365 days. So you actually want to be leveraging that data and gathering data and like building campaigns that work really well year round so that when peak season comes, you can take advantage of the people who've been shopping, viewing your product, been in consideration, been testing your product or like, you know, off season. So you can really hit them in Q4 with like a nice targeted message that lets them know about the deals that you have on or the new products that you have listed. So, you know, when I hear that DSP is sort of for peak season only, I think, well, oh no, it's got like a ton of value the rest of the year. I love that. too. Yeah. That is a great example. So let's say you've got like a father's gifting product, like a beard or oil or something like that. You could retarget all of those shoppers who were clicking around in your category or even on your products using a DSP retargeting campaign, come back with a father's sort of gifting product, whether it's the same beard oil or something else for a holiday like Q4 campaign as an example. Yeah, yeah precisely. And like your the sort of like the awareness lift that you can get by using DSP, you know, in Q3 for Q4 can be really valuable too, right? So if you're trying to hit a bunch of new customers who aren't shopping on Amazon, who've never seen any of your ads before, like it's actually Q3 that you want to start letting them know that you exist, right? Mm -hmm, So that mm -hmm. by the time Q4 runs around, they're already in consideration and they're already shopping for your brand. And so that first impression is made, you know, well, well back in the past so that it's, you know, when they see you again, they're more likely to click and then they're more likely to convert, right? So, and we've seen, you know, really recently with some of the new tools that we have, like how those upper funnel activities participate in the customer path to purchase. And do we have either just through your experience, Ross, or like data from Amazon to show sort of a range of impressions that are needed to be able to, you know, like you're saying you need to make an impression before you actually start targeting with them with performance advertising, like how many impressions to make. Is there a rule of thumb around that? The old marketing rule of thumb that I have, you know, heard from all the gray hairs that I've ever worked with or all my mentors Mm -hmm. who ever taught me is that, you know, it usually takes like seven touches, seven marketing touches before a brand is actually like moves from the back of your subconscious to your conscious mind. And so I think of that sort of like first all important, like really nice, really good quality touch, you know, happening well in advance of peak buying season being essential for that customer journey. Yep. 
Okay, makes sense. Yep. (laughs) All right, Ross. So anything else you want to add to the conversation around seasonal categories? Yeah, I would just say that a lot of brands on Amazon, they think about peak season as the season when they're really going to make sure that everything is available and when they're really going to invest in the full funnel of tactics. And I would just say like that, you know, Amazon demand, you get so much data on the demand that you can tailor your activities for whatever the demand is year round. So like a best in class brand experience means that your whole catalog is available year round in some capacity that you're available in each phase of the purchase funnel, the purchase journey, you know, at least in some capacity for the whole year, as opposed to, you know, just, just peak season. Like it's not a seasonal shopping platform. People are there year round. Great. This has been very helpful, Ross. Thank you for sharing your take here. It is an important topic. We're about to go into the summer months, which are typically a little slower And I think that that's really good information and advice to hear is people are buying year round. There's a great DSP opportunity to jump in in Q4 and use that retargeting audience. If you want to learn a little bit more about what we do at Acadia, you can go to acadia.io or if you're interested specifically in the Amazon retail media marketplace domain, visit bobsledmarketing.com. We have a ton of info on that site in particular around Amazon DSP, Amazon Marketing Cloud, and all of these tactics that we've talked about today. That's over at bobsledmarketing.com. All right, Ross, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Carrie.